Reading now from the Gospel according to Mark in the fourth chapter. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been on the Sea of Galilee twice. Both times everything was perfectly calm. Our short voyages were more about taking group photographs than they were about testing our faith. Last summer while we were there, they showed us the so-called Jesus boat, this boat that was discovered in 1985, 86, somewhere in there with the receding waters of the Galilee. They had a model of what their best guess is about how that boat would have looked back in Jesus' day. I can tell you if they were right. Then crossing the Galilee on that boat, even on the Galilee's best weather day, would have been a full-on test of faith. It's like a canoe for six. So when Jesus and his disciples were making the several-mile journey from the sea, across the Sea of Galilee, from Jewish Capernaum to the Gentile country of the Gerasenes, in that little rowboat, and that great storm came up, it's not surprising that the disciples were afraid. They weren't afraid in the way an inexperienced boater is the first time he bounces over a four-foot swell. They were afraid the way fishermen who had spent their lives on the sea are when a serious storm arises. They knew the difference between aggravating weather and life-threatening weather. Those men knew they were in trouble. Jesus, however, did not. He was fast asleep in the back of the boat, even had his head, tired head on a cushion. I can imagine the disciples weren't real pleased with him at that moment. Great teaching today, Professor. Good lessons on life. Now we'd like to survive this storm so we can apply those life lessons tomorrow. Would you like to lend us a hand? Jesus grunted, turned over, settled back in. Can you believe this guy? Simon said to Andrew. Sleeping while we're getting pummeled. He has no idea what we're dealing with. That wasn't the last time someone felt that way. Perhaps you've felt that way. We tell you a story about the kingdom of God being like a tiny mustard seed that grows into a great shrub and you think good for the seeds. Congratulations, kingdom. 
I'm just trying to make it through another day. I'm in the middle of a storm and you're talking about mustard seeds. When we're in the middle of a storm, it's hard to see the benefit of watching a seed germinate. Slowly grow into a small plant, eventually become a great big bush. I doubt any Egyptian, Hebrew slave in Egypt, uh, I doubt a Hebrew slave a hundred years into their slavery in Egypt said, good, only 300 more years to go. Our freedom is like a slow-growing shrub. Few people, when their parent is ill and their expenses are outpacing their income and their car is in the shop and the kids need new shoes, ask for a story about a slow-growing shrub that eventually becomes a great big bush. Which is not to say that the parable about the mustard seed is irrelevant to their situation. It is to say that sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed by our life, we need to cut to the chase. How does the mustard seed parable help me in my storm? Did you know that the kingdom of God is like something mundane? Like like an overgrown weed that God can use to make a home for birds? If God will do that for birds, what do you think God might do for you? I'd like to think that God will calm this storm. That's overwhelming me. We want to trust that. We look for evidence for that. The disciples tossed about in their tiny boat became more forceful with Jesus. Snide comments about his being an inexperienced land lover gave way to direct scorn. Do you not care that we are in this storm and we are dying Sally and I have been through some literal storms in our time together. She often feels like the disciples. She has more than once wondered why I'm not more anxious in them. It'd probably make you feel good to know that your pastor has such great faith that I don't get upset by storms. That like the priest in Caddyshack, I'd play the back nine in a lightning storm, confident that God would protect me. It's more practical than that. I don't think there's a whole lot I can do to stop a storm, so I might as well sleep. Jesus, as it turned out, could do something about the storm on the lake that day. He did not directly answer the disciples' pressing question about whether or not he cared that they were in danger. He demonstrated that he had the power over that which endangered them. Which it turned out was the answer they needed. Which it turns out is the answer we need. Jesus, we're led to believe, has power over the storms that threaten us. You don't have to wait for a tiny mustard seed to grow into a great big bush to experience the kingdom of God. He's already at work bringing peace to us. So why then the storm? If Jesus can and will bring peace, why not just prevent the storm in the first place? Most of what we can prevent is what we cause. 
The story tells us Jesus calmed the storm. It never implies that he caused it. He was asleep, remember? The storm came up while he was sleeping. If a storm was obvious before they began crossing the lake, the disciples would have protested, let's not go that way tonight. Or at least, when they woke him up, they would have said, we told you this was a bad idea. The storm was not apparent. And it was not caused by Jesus. So let's start there. Jesus did not cause that storm. The storms he caused were when he sought justice and righteousness and mercy, overturning tables, telling people how the kingdom of God is to be, sacrificing himself for others. I feel like someone is talking about a God I don't know when she says, I don't know why God is doing this to me, but I'm sure he has a reason. Many of the storms of our lives blow in for reasons that have nothing to do with God. The economy shifted, and your job was the one the company thought they could do without or pay less for. Something chemical triggered cells in your body to multiply in unhealthy ways, and you're in the fight of your life. A few unrealistic expectations, a little grass is greener on the other side, and an unhealthy dose of communication lapses, and the relationship that seemed unbreakable is now showing fracture. None of these, as far as I can tell, are storms that God caused. But all of these, and whatever storms any of us are enduring, are storms that involve God. If you want to know the answer to the disciples' question, did Jesus care that they were perishing? If theirs is ever your question, does Jesus care? The answer is yes. He cares if you are perishing. He cares if you feel like you are perishing. For that matter, He cares if you are thriving. He cares if you feel like you are thriving. God cares and God gets involved, but God's involvement is not to cause the storm. And it's not always to calm it when or how we'd like God to. In fact, most of the time it doesn't work that way. Most of the time, God's involvement is to stand by us, to stand with us in the storms of life, bringing others to stand with us as well. That might not be the instantaneous peace that we all long for, but maybe it turns out to be the more lasting kind. The disciples went back on the sea. Another day, a later day, after Jesus had gone to be with the Father, they went back on the sea and a storm came up, and this time Jesus wasn't visibly present with them. We don't have a record of that storm, but we know that those fishermen got back on the sea. The Bible tells us that. It's part of who they were. We also know that the best fishermen and the best boaters find themselves surprised by sudden storms, especially on the Sea of Galilee. Those disciples were in other storms throughout their lives. 
And I'm sure that like us, they called out to Jesus to calm that storm, those storms again. But that later time, having learned that Jesus will be with them in the storms, even if he doesn't calm the storms, the moment they arise, the disciples faced it more boldly, trusted more fully, believed more confidently that whatever the storm was that came up, he would always stand with them, which may not have calmed the storm that day, but it helped to calm them. As we go through this stormy life, calm won't always come the moment we ask for it. Healing won't always come the moment we ask for it. Peace won't always come the moment we ask for it, but Jesus always will. 